Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Well, Gary's going to be my interpreter today. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> this is Gary Yeary, and um, Gary's one of my oldest friends. And as a matter of fact, he was here when I got here 21 years ago and had been here before that. And he is... Uh, he was one of the first deacons that uh, we ordained when uh, uh, a year or so after I got here. He's now uh, one of our elders, and um, he is a, a faithful man who has uh, followed the Lord as long as I've known him. And he's going to, as you know, we're going through this pledge card process, and um, uh, really what we're looking for is we're asking people to pledge what they might be able to give above and beyond their tithes toward the the new building, and, and for us, it's a, you're not going to put your names on it, so we're not going to know who they came from. It's between you and the Lord, but it kind of helps us to be able to plan for the future and have an idea about, um, you know, what we're, what we're looking at. So um, that's where we are in the process, and Gary uh, has, some, has a kind of a unique perspective because he was here when this building was being built, and um, um, he's going to share some things that, that maybe God showed him during those times for us. Yeah, so good morning. We did this in the first service to start it off. Um, if you had any ties to the old sanctuary, would you raise your hand? So there's like four of us, and Mandy's cheating because she was in here last time, so if we don't count her, there's three of us. Um, so that's, a, that's the deal. That's the perspective that I had in the last sanctuary. We, we were living right down on Greenwood Road when we decided to come to church here, and it was 1995. We went in those doors over there, and they had the old wooden deal on the front of the wall there, and they were running around 130 members, and their weekly attendance was around 60. So we made, like, number 61 and number 62 that day and slipped in and sat in the back like, like we do. Um, and so as, as the sermon went on, it felt like Matt Hudson was a preacher at the time, but God was speaking right to me. And I was looking around, and I saw some familiar faces that I knew. There was a... There was a lady in there that was a bus driver where I went to school, and she worked in the cafeteria. And we had had a really good relationship since, like, junior high. Like, we would make it a point to stop in the hallway during the day, and I would have conversation with this lady. So when I went in there, I felt so comfortable, and I felt at home. And, and then I knew Jay Flanagan previous to coming to church here, and then Judy was his wife. Her dad delivered our propane when I was a little kid, so he always bribed me with peppermints when I was a little kid. So I just felt at home there. So when the service was over that day and we were walking down the steps over there, and Mandy said, what, where do you want to go try next Sunday? And I said, well, I, I, I want to try this again. I mean, until, until I don't like it here, I think this is where I want to try. And so we're still here. But I remember that thing had the old theater seats in it over there with the wooden handles on them, so you couldn't squeeze more people in. And I watched it get full. And so start talking about building this building and and I'll mention Jay a lot anytime in my testimony because he's a he's a spiritual hero to me he's a man that was before me and and I try to model my life after that man he was always kingdom thinking he was never Jay thinking or or Flanagan thinking he was thinking bigger and better all the time and what God wanted but I remember they were drawing plans up for this and deciding on contractors and stuff and someone said man you are getting a little big for your britches aren't you like you can't fill that thing up and Jay's words were we're not building this for us. We're building this for the people to come. So that was my point with asking you all how many of you had ties to that building because all of you folks have came since then. This was built for you all. And so I want you to think ahead and say in just 10 or 20 years when we're in that other building and we go, how many of you all have ties to the old sanctuary? Not the old, old one, but the old one. And there <laughs> may just be a handful of us because we're in a different service or a different season in our life. But this building has touched all of y'all outside of four of us in here right now. And, and that's what God's shown me, that we're going to do this again. I know, so Austin did the sermon last Sunday, and he used Austin Utley as his example. Well, you know, he said that it was 10 years of praying for Austin and that he'd shared the gospel with him. But that took place in this building. And, and that's what Jay showed me in, in conversations that I was involved with him. And, and I hadn't seen him, got to be around him having other conversations with people and and Jay had a roadmap to see those things play out 10 years down the road. And I'm not saying that Austin Cooper did when he shared with Utley, but 10 years down the road, that played out in this baptistry. And 
And that's the way that my life's been with my family. I mean, I wasn't raised in church, but I knew if I got in church and I kept my kids in church, that that's the roadmap that was laid out for my family. And so we're changing that one generation at a time. So I want you all just to, to take that. And, and in, I know we're through that 40 days now, but just think about the building fund. And, and I shared earlier, the building fund is an ongoing process because don't kid yourselves that we're going to move over there and we're going to be in there for church forever because that's what I thought 20 years ago. Like, we're going to be in here forever. Well, here we're moving again. And that's a great thing. And, and God opened doors for us. We didn't have the property for it, and, and we have the property now. We didn't have the property across the street. Like, everything that we thought was a big mountain was just small to him. And, and God's done all the hard work. I mean, we're, we're on the downhill slide now. You know, one of the things you said earlier was that... Um... You know, when, you, when they built this building, you thought this was it because we were landlocked. I mean, the, to one side was community property that was on, part of our buildings were on. And, there, and we had, you know, at the beginning, they only had a couple acres right here. Right. And now we have um, 18, I think, acres between all of it. And the funny thing was is that, you know, it's not like you can go out and say, hey, well, let's just buy more land around here. I mean, it, but God kind of opened it up for us at the right time. You know, that property across the street actually opened up about uh, 17 or 18 years ago, and we weren't in a position to buy it. And, and that is the first piece of property that we really had a shot at getting was that one. And when it came this next time, we were ready. And so, you know, we have enough land to be able to build on those things. So God kind of opened those doors at the right times. And he took care of all this stuff with um, the, the community property that, that's a weird story that I'll, I'll tell you someday, but you know, we, we now, own, here's what I'm gonna tell you. When I got here, that, that building on the far side, we didn't actually own all the property that it was on. We owned about two thirds of the property down and then the rest of it, what didn't belong to us, which I don't know how you build a building on property you don't own, but they did. So, so you know? that was, that was a parsonage <clears throat> at the time. So mm -hmm. part of the family lived on church property in the parsonage <laughs> and the other part of the family lived in community property. And, and like I said, God straightened all that out. This property back here was individually owned and it came up and we were able to do it. But that, that is pretty neat. When we did start talking about building this sanctuary and expanding, we're like, hey, we may not have the property for it. We may have to move off campus somewhere and kind of just like like sell this property or do mm -hmm. something different with it, and we're going to build a whole new church somewhere else. And, you know, there are a, a lot of people, myself included, are like, no, that's not. I mean, we're Greenwood Church. This is our location. We can't, can't move over on I-20 or something. And we kind of have a reputation of being a church in the middle of nowhere, you know, but, <laughs> but God sends people here. They, they find this place, and... This is kind of our tie to the community is this area right here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, one of the first things I did when I got here was think, man, we should probably look at relocating. And I I'd thought about that and kind of had it in my mind for several years. And finally, God just said, nope, I want you to stay right here. And I was like, really, God, are you sure about that? And, uh, you know, there, if you go to church growth people, they would probably tell you that we'd never run more than three or 400 in this location. And we, we regularly run you know, 11, 1200 right now. And that's, that's purely a God thing. And, and I think that God has intentionally kept us in this place and that, that it was on purpose. And, um, you know, we're excited about our future here and we feel like we do have a future to grow our church and to, to continue to reach people for Christ. So thank you all just for giving me a couple of minutes to visit with you. And I mean, that's just some insight that I have. And, and as, as John said the other day, just continue to pray. Those commitment cards aren't due right now, but just, I mean, that, that God will just give you vision. And, and that's something we were talking about earlier too, is we're kind of always going to be in a building program if we're doing what God calls us to do. Like our outreach ministries, all of our ministries work so well. The car show, I don't know if anybody's ever attended just anything we do, the men's breakfast, like, we do it big because, I mean, Brian's always said since probably day one, hey, I want it so big and so large that if God doesn't show up, it fails. And so we do things huge here. And so th that new sanctuary, that's just another tool in God's toolbox that he's given us to use because we do the other things so well. So, yeah, just pray that God continues to show up. Thank you all. Amen. Thank you, Gary. All right, well, we're going to be in Acts 27 if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. And we're almost done with the book of Acts. 
Next week, I think we'll wrap it up. But this week um, is about a storm. You know, and as I kind of read through it, I was like, well, it's an interesting story, but I, I don't, you know, maybe I need to just go on to chapter 28. But I, I really do believe there's a message here for each one of us. You know, because the fact is that all of us in life, you know, there are storms that come. And we're all either about to go into one, in the middle of one, or just got out of one. Because that's how life works. And uh, we're all going to face difficulties. You know, there are un unexpected things that come. We, somebody loses a job, or there's a health issue, or, or you know, there, there's somebody, you know, we lose a relationship. I mean, those things happen in life, and they can be really stressful and really difficult. And sometimes we create the storm. You know, we make a decision. We go down a road we know we shouldn't in it, and it causes consequences, and we're in the middle of that. And uh, so we're going to look at that, too. So in Acts 27, verses 1 and 2, if you'd please stand with me in the honor, in honor of reading God's word. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a ship whose home port was Adramidium on the northwest coast of the province of Asia. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, I know God's got a sense of humor because, you know, a few days after having oral surgery, this is the passage that I ended up having to read. You read through that and think about it with having some swelling in your mouth and you'll realize, uh, man, I mean, all these were Aristarchus, Thessalonica. Come on, man. But anyway, there it is, and uh, Acts 27, 1 through 2. And so Paul is a prisoner, and he's being taken to Rome to, in his appeal. He's going to be able to share the gospel and give his appeal before Caesar. And to get there is a month, several months to get there. You know, that's the thing is we think about, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll drive a few hundred miles or we'll hop on a plane. Well, there was nothing fast about traveling in those days, and it took oftentimes days, weeks, months, even years to get from one place to the other because there were times you could travel and times that you just had to stay where you were. And so Paul is in this place where they hop on a, a boat and they begin to travel. And, and one of the things I want to talk to you about first, and one of the things you see in Paul all through this story, and I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but I'd encourage you to go home and read the whole chapter and, and see the whole story. And you'll see that Paul, one of the things that is, that is common throughout this whole book is he didn't always have control because he is a prisoner, but he always stayed true to his calling. And that's because of a decision that he made before the storm ever came. And that's one of the most important decisions that you'll make as a believer. And that's going to be one of the decisions that's going to determine how you get through the storm or whether you go through one at all sometimes. And that's this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul tells people, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And what he's talking about there is giving everything that he has and everything that he is and sacrificing it before God and saying, look, look, God, you know what? This was the plan I had. These were the dreams that I had. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I thought my life was going to be like. This is how I thought it was going to be. And I'm going to sacrifice all that and declare unto you that I belong to you first and that I'm committed to your purpose. And so God, do with me as you will. And that's one of the decisions that you make that can color every other decision and really make life a lot easier. It really does. Because you know what? I made that decision when I was 17 years old. And I had, I'm telling you, being a pastor was not on my radar. As a matter of fact, if you'd had my radar there, it wouldn't have even registered on, outside the radar. I mean, it wasn't anywhere in my mind or thoughts. And yet, because I determined in that moment, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God led me on this journey that led me here. And to this moment, to this day. And all along the way, there were decisions to be made. 
well, what are you going to do about this? And I'd go, well, you know what? I don't have to decide that because the Word of God tells me clearly. This is, this is what you do and this is what you don't do. There were some decisions that were easy because I had determined to follow God's way. If you're going to wait in every circumstance and decide how you're going to act or what you're going to do, when you get in the moment, you have set yourself up for failure. But if you've already made the decision, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. I belong to him. I've promised and given my life to do whatever he wants me to do. Then when there's a temptation that comes up, hey, take this shortcut. Hey, do this. This this is... You'll enjoy it. You don't have to make that decision because you've already made it. And it makes life a lot easier. You know, the whole world's out there trying to figure out, well, you know, what about this? Is this right? Is this wrong? Hey, a lot of these decisions have already been made for us in God's word for those of us who follow him. And you don't have to make those. You know, there's all kinds of, like when it came, comes to the transgender thing, I don't have to worry about that decision. Because God's word makes it clear. He created males and he created females. Male and female created he them. And so if you're born as a female, that's the way God created you. You're a female. And here's the deal. As much as the whole world, you know, that, that's one of the things that drives me nuts. You can go to all kinds of experts that will tell you you can be whatever you want to be. But they're wrong. You can never be a man if you're a woman. You can never be a woman if you're a man. Now you can have some cosmetic surgery you can dress like one you can talk like one and you might even be able to fool some people into thinking you're one i remember that that song from those great theologians aerosmith dude look like a lady (laughs) i was a joke y'all know that about the theologian part anyway but you can fool people but you can't ever be that and so to tell someone that you can do that it's cruel. It's, it's not loving. It's really cruel because they can never be that. And so I don't have to decide for myself whether you can do, you know, is that, is it all right? what should I do about that? It's clear. But there's so many people that they're trying to be their own God. And so they determine in every circumstance what's right or what's wrong. And man, that's exhausting. You know, when you got to, do you ever get to the point where you're like, I don't want to make any more decisions? Anybody else? I do. Some days you're like, you know, the kids come, what are we having for dinner? I'm like, I don't know. Just get off me, man. We'll have something. (laughs) We're going to feed you. I mean, you just don't want to make any more decisions. And, And here's the clearest and easiest way to reduce a lot of decisions in your life is to determine you're going to do it God's way. And let me tell you something, it's always the best way. And so, Paul decided beforehand that's how he was going to live. And so now in Acts 27, 9 through 11, we had lost a lot of time. Luke apparently is with him because he's, he's the one who wrote Acts, and he is saying we, so he obviously was there with him. We'd lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. In this area, you didn't travel in the fall by ship. You, you, you took a port, and you waited for a few months until... The, the, the weather had changed, and then you were able to travel again. Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Okay, he knew it was too late to travel. Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Now, here's the deal. It was well known not to travel. And Paul's just telling them something that's based on facts, that's based on truth. And what they decided to do, they decided to listen to somebody else. Because you can always find an expert that will back up your opinion. In this society we live in, you can find people that will tell you, oh, yes, cool to do that. This is the way you need to go. That's fine. You can find people that will back up anything you want to do, even if it's against God's word. And you know what? You're... God gave you a free will to choose to do what you want to do. You get to make your own choices in life, but here's the deal. You don't get to choose your own consequences. That's the hard part. And so what happens after that? Well, in Proverbs 12, 15, it says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Get godly counsel about decisions. You know, don't just look at 
Well, this is what I want to do. The fact is they wanted to go to another harbor because it was a bigger city and because it was more protected. And they thought it would be much more fun to get stuck in this city than it would here. The next verse is in Acts 27, 12 through 14. Since Fair Havens, that's where they were, was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter. Most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix or Phoenicia is what it ends up being, farther up the coast of Crete and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. And it was also a bigger town, bigger party life, whatever else you want to look at. And so they wanted to go there. And so that that was the deal is they were going against what was fact, what Paul told them, hey, this is the truth, and going with what they wanted. They wanted to move on. They wanted to go to a different place. And sometimes we're the same way. You know, sometimes we get impatient about life and we make decisions because, you know, we, we, we trusted God to a point, but now we think God needs a little help because God's not helping me get where I want to go. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this myself. And so they try. And so they do it themselves. And here's what happens sometimes. Something comes along that makes them think, oh, well, this, is the, this, this caps it. We need to go. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. So you see, there's there's always going to be a light wind that's going to come when you're in the moment of decision. And you're going to have to choose. Hopefully you've already chosen. You know what? I'm going to do it God's way. I know what the truth is. I'm going to do it God's way. But there will always come a trap, a, a, a light wind that has promise of something that it won't deliver. I've had a lot of people through the years sit in my office and try to convince me that something God has clearly said no to, that God's behind it because there was a sign. There was some kind of a light wind. There was a guy years and years ago in this church. As a matter of fact, his wife was saved in the first church service we preached here. My wife led her to the Lord after his service. And she started coming, and her family started coming. And then her, she started praying for her husband that he'd be saved. And then after a few years, and it took a while, he was saved. And he started coming. And he was starting to grow spiritually. And he was starting to move forward. And then something happened with his job and his income, and, and it, was, it became a financial strain. And he came to me one time and said, hey, I got this opportunity, I can go make a lot of money, but it's going to mean I'm going to be gone for months at a time from my church. He had two littles. And I and everybody else here said, man, do not do that. God will provide for you, but don't leave your family for months at a time. And he chose to take the light wind, and it wrecked him and his family. And within a year or so, he came home saying he wanted a divorce. And it wrecked him. And see, here's the deal. It, it seemed like, I mean, he, he was going on and on about how much money he could make and how he could provide and he could do this for his family and do that for his family. All those are good things. But when you sail down a path and it's clear from godly counsel and from the word of God that it's wrong, there are consequences. And that light wind took them along the coast and was taking them where they wanted to go. When what hit them from out of nowhere, boom, consequence, a typhoon wind. And not only did it keep them from going where they wanted, it took them where they didn't want to go. It drove them out into the sea. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death, Proverbs 14, 12. You see, there's a lot of times where it looks like things are working. It looks like this is the right path. This seems easy. It's convenient answer to my problem. You know, hey, I've had people even tell me, well, you know what, I'm, I'm getting kicked out of where I live. And so my boyfriend offered to let me move in with him. So, you know, God opened the door. No, that's not God opening the door. That's temptation. Because God clearly says sex outside of marriage is a sin. Now, if you want to get married, I'll marry you. But why would you want to 
Anyway, I, I, we'll go on. It's going to lead to a shipwreck. It's going to lead to a wreck. There's a path. It seems right. It looks good. It makes sense. I mean, it's going to help us cut down on our bills. We're going to be able to do it. But God's word clearly says don't. And so we make that choice. But here's the thing. There's always a way out. See, you can never say, well, I didn't have any choice. You had a choice. You had a choice. It may not have been a choice you wanted or that you liked in the moment, but you had a choice. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let me tell you something. I've been tempted many times in life. I've resisted temptation many times. And there have been many times I've fallen to temptation. Okay? But not one single time could I tell you with a clear conscience that I was tempted and I got put in a spot where I had no choice but to sin and go against God's word. I can't say that. And neither can you. Because the Bible tells us clearly, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Because here's the deal. If you're even making, if you're thinking about it and you're trying to make a decision, that tells you right there that you're not being forced into it. You're being tempted to do something you know is wrong. And it may look good. And you know what? We find all kinds of ways to convince ourselves that that's, that's going to be okay. That it's all right. Well, but we pray together. Well, I, I know this job, you know, is, is, is going to take me away from my family for months at a time when they need me the most. But I'm going to be able to buy them stuff. Well, I, I know that, you know, this is, this is not what God said to do. This is not the path he laid out for me, but it works. I mean, it, it, it answers. It's not the answer that I thought God promised, but it's still an answer. But if you get to decide, you can decide not to. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, that way out may hurt a little bit on the front end, but it'll pay off in the long run. You see, turning away from temptation can sometimes hurt a little bit because we've invested in it, and it's kind of what we want. And we're excited a little bit about it, even though we know it's wrong. And so to turn away from it, it's hard. We're not, it doesn't say that we're, he's going to deliver us away so that we'll experience joy in the moment. There's always relief when you turn away from temptation. But it says so that you can endure. Endurance can do its perfect work, which builds character and provides hope. See, anytime you start thinking, I don't have any other choice, just the fact that you're thinking that tells you you have a choice. There's always a choice. So be careful about the trap. There will always be a trap. There will always be a temptation. There will always be something that looks like what you think you want. Be discerning and be careful. But it'll cause you to compromise or to go against God's word. And the whole, well, I, you know, down the road we're going to blah, blah, blah. No. If the thing you're going to do is sin in the, in the moment, don't do it. It's a trap. So they go. They're heading down the, the, the coast, and a typhoon blows them out to sea. It says this terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. <clears throat> all hope was gone. And these were sailors. 
on this boat, many of them. I mean, I, hey, I can remember when all hope was gone for me. I, I, my dad took, us, took my brother and I on a deep sea fishing trip. And I was nervous about it because, you know, the, the idea of being on, I, I get a little motion sick sometimes. And so we're going, and man, I'm just, you know, I'm dropping Dramamine, one, uh, just one light after the other. And we get on the boat, and I'm like, okay, I'm all right, I'm all right. I thought, so how long is this boat ride? I'm thinking 15, 20 minutes, hour and a hunk and half. <laughs> I mean, deep sea fishing is one thing, but we got to go halfway across the world? Are there not fish closer to the shore? What's the deal with this? But we start going, and, and man, the boat's going, there's waves, and man, it, I, see, I know what a storm like this is like, man, because we're going. The boat's going everywhere. I'm, I'm starting to feel it already. And I, they tell you, oh, just fix on something that's, you know, a, an object. So I'm one, one old Derek after another. I'm, I'm staring a hole through it, man, trying to, trying to keep it together. So we finally get out there. I'm not feeling real good. I'm a little shaky, you know, because it, it's bad, man. Waves, crazy. So anyway, I get a little bait. I throw it in there. I catch one fish. And then I did what they call at sea, chub and bait. I threw up everything I had ever eaten, I think, in that moment over, overboard that ship. And nobody else cares. They're just fishing. <laughs> but I'm about to die and puke my guts out right there, and they didn't care at all. None of them did. And so finally, I got done with that, and I went into the cabin, and they had some little you know, couches around the, you know, that were built into the outside. And I curled up in a fetal position there on one of those couches and just prayed that God would take me then. <laughs> And also promised him, God, if you just get me back to shore, I'll never get on another boat my entire life. And man, the boat's just, I mean, waves everywhere. And this, the little first mate dude went to my brother and said, hey, you know, I, I just tell your brother, never get on a boat again, because this is as calm as it gets out on the sea. <laughs> <laughs> so to them, everything was fine. To me, I thought it was like a raging storm. But this was a raging storm. Even the sailors are freaking out over I mean, and it lasted so long, they thought, we're going to die. There's no, there's no other course of action. And nobody had eaten for a long time, which I get that part. <laughs> Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. And sometimes when we cause a storm, we get to that spot. And we're like, man, you know what? I'm here because... I made a bad decision. Paul didn't have a choice. But they're there. And so what are you going to do now? You're in the middle of it. Do you keep going? He said, take, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. So now here's the deal. When you get in the middle of one of those storms, God in his mercy may pull you out of it, but there's still going to be a consequence. Proverbs 30, 31, they rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. You know, when we make a decision and it sends us into a storm, there's going to be a consequence. There's going to be a price. But God is a redemptive God. And everything's not over. You know, I bet some of you, maybe a lot of you, have made a bad decision that caused a storm that you thought was just going to end things. Well, everything's ruined now. It's not. No matter what poor decisions you've made, no matter what storms you've been through, we serve a God who gives second, third, 50th, and a thousandth chances. And we serve a God that redeems even the worst experience we've ever been through and the worst decision we've ever made. 
You know, some of the most powerful ministries that I've seen are people who've made some of the worst decisions and yet given it all to God and repented of it. And God's used that to, to help them minister to people who are in the same situation or headed down the same road. God's a redemptive God. Now, here's one of the things you got to recognize. And that is, at some point, there's going to look like a way to get out of it or a way to fix it on your own. And sometimes it's causing a worse, it'd be committing a worse sin than the one that got you into it. But you think I can get out of it. And so in verses 30 and 32, the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officers and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to let the lifeboat and let it drift away. And so when you're in that spot in a storm of life, maybe you didn't cause it, maybe you did. The thing to do is to hold on. It's to hold on to the Lord. It's to trust him to fix it. Now, in the meantime, you do whatever God's told you to do. Paul's already told them the ship's going to be lost, but he's told them they'll be okay. But if those guys got off, they were the sailors. You get who it was? It was the sailors. They needed the sailors to get the boat to where it needed to go. And so here's the thing. Sometimes we get in a situation, we're in the middle of the storm, and we want to jump ship. We just want to go start over somewhere. You know, here's the deal. Maybe we've made bad choices in our marriage. And now there's a lot of conflict. And you're thinking, well, you know, the only thing I can do, I just want to start over. I've wrecked this from too much. And, and I'm telling you, listen, there are things that happen. It takes two people to stay in a relationship. I get that. But as much as you are able, stick with it. Now, are there biblical grounds for divorce? Yes. There's also forgiveness. Are there things that can happen that you should get away from or separate for a period of time? Absolutely. But here's the other part. Go get godly counsel. Because no matter how bad it's been or how difficult it's been, if y'all are both willing, God can redeem it and make it into something beautiful. Some of the best marriages I've ever seen were people that have come through incredible storms and trusted God through it and didn't grab a lifeboat even when they could. Now, if you're in a spot where you think you should, then get some godly counsel on that. Get counseling. Get people in your life that'll encourage you and that'll help you. God's a God of redemption. And here's the last part. You know, there are a lot of things in Scripture. There's a lot of things that talk about joy, a lot of things that talk about peace. But do you know what is not in here? Nowhere in here does it say God wants you to be happy. It doesn't say that. And people use that as an excuse to go against the will of God, maybe more than any other reason. Well, I just think God wants me to be happy. No, God wants you to have joy. He wants you to have an abundant life. But if you think that, that by sin, sinning against him, going against his word that you can be happy, you are always going to be wrong. You know what, 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 where joy comes from? It comes from having a right relationship with God and a clear conscience before him. That's where joy comes from. Don't let the storm influence you to go against the things of God. Storms pass. Stick with something that is eternal and forever and, and cannot be moved. Stick to what God's told you, to where God's brought you, to what his word says. And if you're not sure, 
Seek it out. And you know what? I, I get it. There's some things, well, should I take this job? It may not be clear cut. Seek an answer from God. And don't go and don't move and don't be pressured into taking it until God gives you direction about it. And sometimes that takes a while and sometimes it's quick. But determine before you do it, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to do anything until God tells me. I'm not going anywhere until God's made it clear this is where I go. Well, how does God make it clear to me? Hey, he'll, he'll find a way. You'll know when it's God speaking to you. How do I know that you'll know? Because God's word tells me you'll know. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me. And so if you hadn't heard yet, you haven't heard his voice yet, or he hadn't spoken. So keep waiting until you hear his voice. And guess what? He's not going to make it hard for you. God's will is not a, a riddle wrapped in an enigma somewhere. He doesn't like whisper it, hey, here's what I want you. Oh, you didn't hear that too bad. He'll make sure you know because that's what a father does. You know what? When you're a child of God, he's your father. You've been adopted in his family as a son or a daughter. And guess what? A good father wants his children to know what he wants them to do. You know, if my kid's about to walk in front of a car or walk out in the street, I don't go, hey, don't get in the road. I make sure they know. I want them to know, hey, stop. Come back. I'm going to make sure they know one way or the other. Your father will make sure you know if you'll wait to hear from him. The problem comes when we don't wait. Well, I hadn't heard anything, so I'm just going to jump off. Don't do, don't, don't go until you hear from God. Now, I'm going to tell you from experience. I'm going to tell you from what the scripture tells over and over again. It usually doesn't happen in your timetable. It's, it's never almost happened in mine. It requires waiting. If you go look through the scripture, there were always times where God gave a promise and then there was a time of waiting. Abraham waited for 20-something 20, 20 years for a child. And he was old when God told him. But he waited. But then there, he had a temptation too. He had a, a fair wind. His wife came in and said, well, look, I can't have kids. I know God's told us this, but nothing's happened. Why don't you go into my handmaid and have a child? And there was some kind of legal thing. I, I, you know, I, I admit that seems really weird to me, that old deal. I'm like, what? So he bears a child by Hagar. And just, you think there's a consequence to that? That entire thing in Israel is going on because of that. It's been, that, that consequence has lasted for thousands and thousands of years. And it'll last until Jesus comes back the second time. So that when we, man, it, it can cost. But you know what? God still redeemed. God still gave him an heir. God still accomplished everything he said he was going to. But because he tried, he took that, that fair wind, that trap, there's consequences. So don't take the trap. Be determined ahead of time. You know what? I'm going to live for God first. And if something goes against his word, it will also inhibit. It will, it will hurt. It will harm your ability to live out his purpose in your life. Now, that may be for a short time. It may be for a long term. And it doesn't mean God can't use you again if that's already happened to you. He can. He's a redemptive God, and he will. But we got to get that straight, that we're living for him. We got to choose his way over ours. We got to choose to endure rather than to momentary happiness or momentary pleasure. It's your choice.
And you know, there's this thing, well, I, you know, this doubt in the back of our minds that God's going to want something for us that, that'll make us miserable. But you've forgotten that you have a good God. You have a good father. His plans for you are to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. But here's the deal. We don't always know what his plans are, and his plans don't always match up with ours. So you got to choose. Are you going to go with his plan or your plan? But a lot of us have made plans that didn't work out. God's plans work out. We have to wait for them, but they'll work out. And we have to choose. And if you've ever wondered about whether God wants the best for you, <clears throat> just remember, he didn't have some angel or whatever to come down and die on a cross. He had his only son. He sent his only son to die a painful death, to be beaten, to be spat upon, to be falsely accused. He sent his best so that we could know him. Do you think he would do that because he wanted to make your life miserable? No way. That's the kind of God we serve. And so there's two questions. Believers, have you ever come to that point where you've really just given it all over? Where you said, God, do with me what you will. I'm yours. Paul did that. Have you done it? And so if you haven't, you need to pray about that. And for most of us, there'd be one thing. Well, you know, if it weren't for this one thing, I'm afraid God would tell me I couldn't do this anymore, or God would take that away, or God would make this. Then understand, you've decided to be your own God and make your own decisions, and you're not equipped for it. You got to determine who you belong to. And that needs to come before the storm. If you're in the middle of a storm, you still need to make that decision. The best time to make it is before the storm. The second best time is now. Right now. So choose this day, as Joshua said, who you will serve. Choose this day. And then for some of us, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to know him. In a few moments, I'll lead anyone who likes in a prayer of salvation. You're, there's a God that loves you. He loved you enough to send his son to die on a cross so that you could know him and be with him forever in paradise, in heaven. And there's three things you got to do. Number one, you got to admit you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody sins. The second thing you got to do is you got to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins and for mine, and he rose on the third day according to Scripture. You got to believe that. The last thing is you got to confess Jesus as the Lord, that he's going to be boss of your life, and he's a good boss. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you'd like to know that you're in right relationship with God, that your sins are forgiven, and that you're going to be with him in heaven forever, and heaven is a place, as think of the most perfect thing you could possibly imagine and realize that that can't cover it can't even really approach what heaven will be like. That's what you're signing up for. So if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you've never done that, I want to encourage you. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads right now. And anyone who would like to pray this prayer with me, you can repeat it after me. Or you can pray it in your own words, whichever you'd rather do. Just pray in your heart. God will hear you, but pray it with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me and make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. 
I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day, according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, here's all I'm gonna ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to say anything in front of people, but I'd love to pray for you and encourage you. If you prayed that prayer today in a minute, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you and make eye contact. So look up right now. You prayed that prayer, okay? All right. Okay, I see you. Got you. Okay. I want to encourage you to let someone know. There's a, a number on your screen. You can text that save to that number, or you can open the QR code. It's also in your bulletin if you want to take it home and do it when you get home. It's important that you let someone know, and we'd love to hear from you because we'd love to, once we hear from you, we'll get back with you and set up a time to talk on the phone or in person. And we'd love to answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We don't want anything from you. We're not gonna ask you for anything. We just wanna help and we're not gonna bug you about it. But it's important that you talk to someone and we'd love to be a part of that. So I wanna pray for you and I wanna pray for those who need to make that decision about committing, surrendering everything before him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your mercy and your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your son who gave his life that we might know you and be forgiven and be made whole. And Father, we look to the day when we will be like him when we see him as he is. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the promises of scripture, for the truth of your word. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.